0: Hi, this is M. Allen Cunningham. I'm an author, publisher, and teacher in Portland, Oregon, and you're In the Atelier. In the Atelier is a place for occasional thoughts on literature, writing, the life of the imagination. Come on in. I'm glad you're here. Today's installment, In the Absence of Yes. Yesterday brought a new rejection letter to my door. It arrived, as do they all, in a white business envelope I'd self-addressed some months before. The rejection was of the paper-saving variety favored by today's quarterlies, a Xeroxed quarter page containing a terse, pre-printed message amounting to, nope, Not this time, and probably not ever. The submission in question was an essay that took me a year to write, which shaped up to be a learned, provocative, and personal exploration of a subject in which I hold established credentials. The long, humbling writing process allows me to say this without delusion or inordinate pride. Upon its completion, I prepared submissions and dispatched them to the mail, with the warming prophetic tingle that often accompanies work well done. This thing was bound to see publication someplace worthy of it, i.e. one of our more distinguished literary magazines. The first several rejections rolled in, each accompanied by a personal note from an editor complimenting the essay, and then professing equal remorse for refusing it. I sealed, stamped, and mailed further submissions. Ambivalent editorial compliments answered almost every one. So, I revisited the work, scrutinizing it for defects, poised to improve it. But, without complacency, without smugness, I was simply reaffirmed of its readiness for publication, its power. I just liked it. Naturally, we are all capable of self-deception, and we have to guard against this always but whether you've workshopped a piece in the traditional writing program sense, or run it past your merciless inner editor ad nauseum, the beauty and curse of an inescapably solitary discipline like writing is that, in the end, you have to rely on your gut. How crucial, how arduous this is, to tone the muscle of critical discrimination till you may stand firm and believe in the worth of what you've produced without being hard-headed or willfully blind. To strike that precarious balance is a talent useful in all aspects of life. It's the trait we often refer to as faith or trust and occasionally love. More submissions, more conflicted no's. And yesterday's note was the 16th rejection. Sixteen. It's worth noting that a short story I've been sending around for more than two years recently garnered its 37th rejection. This on the heels of three rejected fellowship applications and a handful of queries flatly ignored by the editors I'd sent them to. Some years ago, I treated the subject of rejection on a blog. I wrote, quote, Because rejection is such a fundamental part of my vocation, I've learned to look at it in a special light. As I see it, each no that arrives by mail, rather than being an explicit stumbling block, is actually a stepping stone, bringing me closer to a yes, Now that has the benefits of optimism, but feeling as I feel today, I know it can't be the whole story. It fails to account for the fact that in some cases, or many, the yes never arrives, just flat out fails to come along because sometimes it doesn't matter how hard one labors, how seriously one regards the task at hand, or how deserving one's work may be. The proverbial road of one's career, even for those already, quote-unquote, on their way, is rarely a route of ever-increasing ease. In my own case, I'm discovering, to my dismay, that the road can actually get rougher. Even with several novels a score of shorter publications, a share of honors, and the ostensible stamp of validation thought to come of critical acclaim, good work continues to languish in the lonely room of its composition. That yes, most longed for, most necessary, is never guaranteed. Meanwhile, In light of my firm publication history, every no that comes my way seems to mean more than it ever did before. It's no longer a mere formality. Each rejection demands to be taken as an explicit condemnation of my work now. and This is an eventual and for me unforeseen peril of getting published in the first place, and I think it throws a light on a paradox about the life of a writer. Where the private undertaking of the writer's art requires the writer to cultivate high sensitivity, a dependably thin skin, the public act of producing and marketing that art requires a hide of bovine thickness. But having served a term as reader on the masthead of two prominent literary magazines, I can confidently report that deserving work As far as periodicals go anyway, is frequently, even commonly, obscured and passed over in sluice tides of manila envelopes. Everybody's got a blind spot or two, the most experienced editors included. Moreover, one eternally unappealing fact of the publishing marketplace is that forces both cynical and wholly arbitrary frequently come to bear on the making of decisions fashions, favors, nepotism, insider trading, ad revenue, moral presumptions, allergies, upset tummies, hangovers, serotonin deficiencies, and above all, personal taste, can stand between ourselves and whatever we, or our work, rightfully deserve. We'll be right back. In the Atelier premieres in January 2020 with weekly episodes like this one. Each installment will bring you an artfully produced audio essay dealing with some aspect of the creative life or with literature or film and always with the aim of providing mindful and inspiring content of substance that you can take with you into your week. And I hope you'll join us by subscribing now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. You can find direct links to any of these at our Anchor homepage, anchor.fm slash atelier. That's in-the-atelier. From there, you can also sign up to support In the Atelier on a monthly basis, with contributions starting at just 99 cents. In the Atelier is an offshoot of the award-winning literary publishing house Atelier 26 Books, which brings you brilliantly unconventional novels, short story collections, poetry, and a bit of nonfiction from contemporary authors. Check out our titles and order any at a discount at atelier26books.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. And thanks for creating. Back to the episode. Being like many writers, a much rejected writer, and faced with the refusal of editors to stand by writing they openly admire, I sometimes brood, Hamlet like, and accuse my epoch. The time is out of joint. Might I be living and writing in the wrong era? Is my stuff unfashionable? I recall the consoling wit of Wallace Stagner, one of our greatest writers and one perennially bewildered by the vagaries of editorial and critical preference. The New York Times, after completely ignoring Stegner for years, finally featured him in a backhanded article about quote-unquote Western writers, tacking the caption, William Stegner, to Wallace Stegner's photo. In a personal letter in 1972, Wallace Stegner wrote, quote, Literary fashion is a virus for which there is no vaccine. And if you happen to grow up a smallpox type in a cholera time, you might just as well reconcile yourself to faint praise, faint dams, faint yawns. I thought I had a chance with this last one. My last chance, probably. It was a feather in the Grand Canyon. And I'm a little too old to rally up and try him again. Unquote. As it happened, the book Stegner was referring to, Angle of Repose, went on the same year to win the Pulitzer Prize in fiction. Or, I tell myself, think of Henry James. In 1895, James wrote in his journal, quote, I have felt for a long time past that I have fallen upon evil days, every sign or symbol of one's being in the least wanted, anywhere or by anyone, having so utterly failed, unquote. That was soon after James's first foray into writing for the London stage, the upshot of which was the humiliating flop of his play Guy Danville. And yet today, of course, we know James managed to keep working. Earlier in his journal, James breathlessly goads himself, I am in full possession of accumulated resources. I have only to use them, to insist, to persist, To do something more, to do much more than I have done. The way to do it is to strike as many notes, deep, full, and rapid as one can. Go on, my boy, and strike hard. Try everything. Do everything. Render everything. Be an artist. Be distinguished to the last." And there's the rub. Call us the struggling established, the honorably obscure. The foolhardy diligent we who face the timeless frustrations of the writing life as faced by old henry back in 1895 or stegner in 1972 we're firmly in a tradition of existential literary angst a realization which even if it makes nothing easier can somehow console a century after james in a little essay called first books The great short story writer André Dubus offered his own Jamesian statement of faith. Listen closely and you see these guys are talking about more than writing. Quote, All of these truths and quasi-truths about publishing are finally ephemeral. What is demanding and fulfilling is writing a single word, trying to write le mot juste, as Flaubert said, writing several of them, which become a sentence. When a writer does that day after day working alone with little encouragement often with discouragement flowing in the writer's own blood and with an occasional rush of excitement the treasure is on the desk if the manuscript itself mailed out to the world where other truths prevail is never published the writer will suffer bitterness sorrow anger and more dangerously despair But the writer who endures and keeps working will finally know that writing the book was something hard and glorious. For at the desk, a writer must try to be free of prejudice, meanness of spirit, pettiness, and hatred. Strive to be a better human being than the writer normally is, and to do this through concentration on a single word, and then another, and another. This is splendid work as worthy and demanding as any, and the will and resilience to do it are good for the writer's soul. Unquote. As for me, after filing away my essay's latest rejection, I sit down to my own journal and write the following. It's not a matter of what you deserve, and more to the point, certainly not a matter of what you think you deserve. All that matters is what you're committed to, and how you honor that commitment and sometimes what you are blessed by in the absence of yes appears as an essay in the honorable obscurity handbook from atelier26books In the Atelier is produced by Atelier 26 Books. For more information, visit atelier26books.com. I'm M. Alan Cunningham. So long for now.